Tylenade! Triple strength! Take it from someone who understands the meaning of splitting headaches. Typhoid Mary, spokesperson. The only pain reliever strong enough, period. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. I wish they all could be random banter girls. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia today. I'm trying to figure out why. Now, why would I pick that for the random banter intro? I, I, I honestly, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm I, I'm pulling a blank here. I'm not doing well. It's a weird, weird recording we're doing. I don't understand what's happening. What? Why? Why did you choose that? Okay, because when I think of Diamond David Lee Roth and uh, any of his Van Halen videos or his own videos or anything, there's always bikini-clad women in there. Okay. Always gorgeous-looking women in bikinis. Always always scrumptious okay. strumpets. Okay, okay. Do you know where I'm going I now? I know where you're going now. <laughs> I know where you're going now. <laughs> we, we've chosen, like, a bunch of different, like, comics that have just little cameos of different power pack mentions or whatever is in it and the one that i want to scrub from my mind <laughs> is the one it's you're bringing the one up that i picked yep it's the one i'm bringing up because it's so terrible it's also the one that we chose our ad from too so you know yes, whatever you know mm-hmm. yeah. yep, and, that's and, referencing the swimsuit issue on the marvel universe and it's not to say that i don't own like the first three swimsuit issues mm-hmm this is the only one di- I don't own, actually. <laughs> because you're discerning. I know. Mm-hmm. I, I also, I don't know. I have I have nothing. I still own <laughs> the swimsuit issues, so. Well, of course, you're not going to toss them. I have I have plenty of clunker comics that are still, they're in the box. Yeah. They're, they're bagged and boarded and in a box somewhere. Yeah. And it's just like, ugh, better make sure I save that for, for prosperity. I mean. So, yeah, you hold on to things. Yeah. Be- besides that, I'll just talk a little bit about something that I decided to watch with my family because it was making me laugh. And mm-hmm. I was listening to War Rocket Ajax and they brought it up and I thought, well, that sounds something interesting to watch. And so I watched an episode and laughed myself silly and started watching with my family. It is a British TV show called Taskmaster. Heard of it, but know nothing about it. Yeah. I know the name. It's a British comedy show where you've got the Taskmaster and he's got like five comedians on with him and they give them simple little tasks you know here's Mm -hmm. what i need you to do and they have it's a time task and they've got it all filmed ahead of time so like they've had these guys do these tasks in the past and they're all sitting on stage and so they show the clips of what happened when they've given them the tasks and then they rank them and they mock them and it's very hilarious okay check the one it's called potato in the hole it's not a euphemism no no but i think they use that joke um (laughs) of course they do you have to but the there is something just brilliant that happens and it's so heartbreaking and hilarious at the same time <laughs> that you have to watch it. And you're just, I just, it happened to be that we watched that episode 
right before the show today, and and my family was just dying with laughter. So. Okay. Is this on uh, Netflix or? I'm actually watching it on YouTube. I found a. Okay. I found a version on YouTube. You have to get through all the ads and stuff. Well, yeah. Um, but the nice thing is, is that they they do bleep out uh, the cuss words, which is good. <laughs> It's good for a uh, family-friendly audience, yes. such as someone with kids. Yes. Yep. And you can still use your imagination on the times that you, that the curse words are bleeped out, and <laughs> it kind of makes it a little funnier. So <laughs> You can flip through your little lexicon and go, yes. Yeah, that's what I would uh, say. The favorite choice would be yeah. uh, this word. That's what I would say in that same situation. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Taskmaster. I, I find it to be very hilarious. I'm a big fan of British humor anyways, and... This is my style of a game show where people look foolish and they're good at looking foolish. So Okay. I'll have to give that a rundown sometime. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you aren't enjoying any media and you aren't, you know, doing anything exciting or fun. So you probably have nothing really interesting to banter about. Oh, Rick, I'm not interesting ever. So it wouldn't be just today. But I did watch something interesting. Mm. Uh, remember way back in the day where I said I had started Squid Game? Yes. I finished Squid Games. Bravo, sir. Uh-huh. I job. loved it. I thought that was really great. And then I started eating all the ancillary uh, YouTube media relating to it. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's get, okay, let's dig into this walnut. So yeah, uh, dug on that quite a lot. Enjoyable. So, there so was, we, uh, we both are we you have finished and i've started watching something where you know people will do silly fun games mhm silly childish mm-hmm. ridiculous games where nobody ever gets hurt well okay emotionally <laughs> cuz people are making fun of them on taskmaster and, and physically i guess physically because games yeah yeah, yeah. cuz there's 456 participants and spoilers there ain't 456 at the end. No. So. <laughs> no, there's not. <laughs> but it was good. I really liked it. Good. Good. I mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the ending. And I, I'm i interested to see what they do with a second season of that. Yeah, me too. If it, uh, if it comes out within the next 10 years. Because it took uh, the creator of it 10 years to get it made. Because most uh, production companies were like very reticent to yeah, but- really finance something like this. Because they're like, <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. Uh, it was so big that they shouldn't have any problem at all throwing down money for it now. Oh, gosh, yeah. Netflix will probably get the first bid on that, and they'll just be like, yeah, it takes money to make money. Eat as much as you want, because we'll just make more. Speaking of making money, mm-hmm. I have no way to segue. We are doing something off the beaten path here, and give us a little break to do this here. I've been noticing that there have been a few comics that mention Power Pack or they got a little cameo in, and I've kind of bundled them all up. And well, we just want to get them out the door so we can move on to the next thing, which is going to be the FF. The well, we're going to work into the FF, the Future Foundation. Not the Fantastic Four because I got confused personally. We're going to start with the Fantastic Four because you know there's a birthday party with Franklin and Alex and. Power Packer there, and Alex gets invited to join us FF, but we'll get around to that. Rick from the future here. So here's the thing, I kind of failed there. I should have said The Runaways, not Fantastic Four. I didn't know what I was talking about. Okay, I'm excited to see that. So leading up to that, though, I just wanted to get rid of some of the other stuff that has kind of popped up and it's out there. There's mentions it's not enough to do a full episode on a Spider-Man said, hey, Power Pack's over there, and then went and fought Doc Ock or something. And that didn't happen in anything we're going to talk about, but that's good. 
theory about it. So I make he, up my own fiction. Yeah. So here's just a bunch of <laughs> weird stuff that we're going to just talk a little bit about discuss and move on this is going to be a very loosey-goosey show it's not going to follow our our normal format at all but uh i thought it'd be kind of just fun and it's a you know easy week for us i guess Mm -hmm. sort of sure well that being said let's go ahead and get into our format of our show by jeff giving us a two cents replay from what happened last episode the power kids have abandoned their burning house, abandoned their in-the-hospital sudden-onset coma mom, and abandoned their frantic doesn't-know-where-they-are dad to travel to Snark World where they are so scared of getting hurt that they abandon their plans of helping stop the destruction of some Snark cities by Emperor Jackal's forces, and then they went and hid in some caves. Not making that up. After a slight regroup, they split the party so that they can make an alliance with some other snarks and break into Emperor Jackal's throne room, where they confront the big bad, have a lengthy discussion amongst themselves on how they should restructure the political structure of Snark World, while said big bad stands in a corner waiting for the big endgame fight to occur, and then they one-panel battle, where they punch Jackal in the nose, thus stopping his mad plans of expansion across the galaxy. Now that the Julie ends her story arc by going to Randy Allen's house and telling him that he's a big poopy head. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Jeff, you record in a basement, right? Yeah. Some people might even call it a crypt, right? Uh, I don't like what you're inferring there. Bear with me. Potential future victim to go into my crypt. I mean, friend Rick. So you're in a crypt, and and we're going to be talking about tales. So Mm -mm. I thought I'd I'd find something a little interesting for you today. (laughs) Check out and see what you got there, my friend. (laughs) I'm super curious now. It is, ooh, Pale from the Crypt, <laughs> featuring the Brewmeister, the Hop Witch, the Malt Keeper, Liquid Gravity Brewing Company. Oh, that is sweet. That is, oh, so pulpy. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Label art, Tales from the Crypt, issue number 39, December 1959. Oh, that's great. This is, this is the cover of an old tale from the crypt thing. It's got a zombie wolfman, madman, boiled water spillage victim with a knife <laughs> chasing some uh, kids. Scampy, precocious, uh, probably 11 year olds. Three boys running through a graveyard at night. That's great. That is so awesome. That is a comic cover. That yeah. is so sweet. I just thought, you know, I, I kept seeing this in the store and I thought, I, I want to use this for something. I don't know what, but <laughs> having something from with a pastiche from a Tales from the Crypt and we're doing a bunch of different tales, I just, it just felt right to me. This is great. I totally accept this. I love it. Yep. <laughs> I get it. I totally get why. An anthology comic as uh, Tale of the Crypt with all the little micro stories we're telling. And yeah, so uh, that totally fits. I love it. Uh, 5.5% alcohol. It's a pale ale. Resurrected from the depths of Purgatoria. Pale from the Crypt is a big, bold, unapologetic West Coast pale ale. It boasts a robust aroma of peaches, tangerines, and passion fruit. Backbone of two-row barley, caramel, malt, and torrified wheat act to balance the beer for a frighteningly satisfying experience. It's a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, in the can, I, I just cracked the can, and I'm smelling that passion fruit. And uh, it's that's a strong aroma of it. But also, yeah, this is kind of smelling like a pale. It, it says on here, hoppy. And yeah. 
I'm pretty sure that they're right on that. <laughs> I'm going to probably agree. I haven't tasted it yet because I'm doing my pour. Yeah, liquid. Oh, wow. That is crystal clear, but a lovely amber color. Nice bubbles, but an inch of foamy head on that. Yeah, that smell is... Um, passion fruit, grapefruit. Passion fruit IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We got the hops in there, too. You can smell that. Yep. Definitely hops, definitely passion fruit. It looks like summer in a glass, so... It does. Cheers. Cheers to you, my friend. It's got a good taste. Okay. It's got that peach. I'm getting yep. that peach. I see that. I'm getting the the, the passion fruit. Definitely. The, the hops are not that, that strong. No, the hops are around, but they are a lot more subtler. It is neat that that first sip is very peach, and then it kind of, mm -hmm. it mellows on the tongue and just sits like in a trough in the center of your tongue going, hi there, I am peach, and that peach blends into the passion fruit. <laughs> it's Aftertaste on it is kind of your generic IPA kind of flavor. A, <laughs> a, a, a distance in the after aftertaste, it really blends through that uh, fruit flavor notes to get to it, though. It is not hmm. bad. It is quite enjoyable. No, that's easy. Quite tasty. It's a fun can. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very fun can. I love it just for that. I had to stare at it a whole bunch. This is really great. I, I always take a picture of this. I always put it on our website. Usually I have comic books along with the beer, but none of the comic books that we're going to be talking about today do I actually own. I, I, I've tracked all these down through Marvel Unlimited. Yeah. Let's talk about some comics. Mm -hmm. And to begin with, let's talk about Cage. Issue number 19, August 1993. Seduction of the Innocent. Credits. Writer. Marcus McLaurin. Penciler. Brian Pelletier. Anchor. Frank Turner. Letterer. Richard Starkings. Letterer the Second. John G. Rochelle. Colorist. Kelly P. Corvess. When an oddly speaking, red glowing eyed Luke Cage is throwing police cars at the police, it is obvious that he is not mind controlled at all but that he has done a heel turn and has become the menace that they always suspected that he would become luckily for everyone on the scene dakota north is here to talk cage down she initiates this conversation by running a police barricade jumping her motorcycle off a police car and flying it at luke in the most dialogue starting way possible he catches her as the motorcycle smashes into a previously thrown police car and then he backhands her out of the story for about eh, let's say eight pages a police car then bursts into flames dukes of hazard style and the obvious Obviously, not mind-controlled Cage starts screaming about how the flames will not claim him again, and that when he has full control of his body, that this world will tremble before his mighty wrath. Then another police car blows up, Dukes of Hazard style, engulfing him. Later, Luke wakes up in a bed and decides that he needs to lay off the Taco Bell as it's giving him nightmares. As he then turns on the TV and looks out the window to discover that, you know what, he actually is a threat and a menace just like Spider-Man is. By the way, I'm still waiting for someone to bring me pictures of Spider-Man. Spider-Man! Cage then looks in a mirror and is attacked by a demonic mirror version of himself. It is here that we find out that he has been possessed, mind-controlled even, by a being that once had been human, a being that once had battled a pack of powerful brats, and a being that was once cast into flames of perdition for it. A being that was transformed into a powerful demon of lard. Or Crisco, we aren't sure. A being that once was battled the powered pack of cursed children and was burnt by the flames of Inferno, transformed this time into a shadow creature with the power of possession. A being named... Uh, you know what, they actually never actually say his name, but you know, it's Carmody, the boogeyman from Power Pack. And we have a cameo. 
and the boogeyman wants to solo pilot Luke's body, and he has kidnapped some people close to Cage to further this master plan. Smash cut over to the return of Dakota North, and she is telling the news that Cage is too much of a loner to be a hero, and he deserves to be behind bars. She then goes to get maps of Cage's apartment to see if she can find a secret underground way in to get her obviously not mind-controlled Corey out. This is really weird. A soon-to-be repossessed Cage then bursts out of his apartment, fights some cops, gets burned with a flamethrower, and this prompts a shadowy possessing sludge monster to vomit out of him. Spill his secret beans, which lets everyone know that Cage has been <gasps> mind-controlled, which collapses the apartment building on them and knocks them into the sub-basement. Strangely enough, this is where the demon's kidnapped victims were, and Dakota North is also there, so she can find out the truth and help Cage by driving him to and crashing them into the Fantastic Four's headquarters. Wait, did this during Chicago? Never mind. This prompts a helmeted thing formed Ben Grimm to pop on the scene, telling them that they are interrupting my beauty sleep. At this point, a fully possessed Luke Cage smashes out of the wrecked car and proclaims that they are going to have one heck of a battle in 30 days when the next issue comes out. Oh, sweet Christmas. Oh, sweet Christmas. <laughs> the, the second issue of this also completes this big brouhaha with what is left of Carmody, which is what is left of the Boogeyman. And it's a thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. I haven't read it. I think it's the last issue of Cage, number 20. Yeah, it's the last issue of Cage, because, you know, you bring Dakota North and the Boogeyman from Power Pack in to really wrap up a Luke Cage series. When you're trying to make issues fly off shelves, those are the two characters that you're going to pull from. You're like, ugh. Hey, they brought in the Fantastic Four. <laughs> they did. They brought in a helmeted thing, I think. I, I don't know what was on, up with uh, Thing's face at that point, but I'm going to assume it was in his writer where he was like, okay, so... I'll be in this Cage comic book for two issues, but I ain't showing my face. He's also wearing, like, a onesie. Yeah. So it's a it's not a good thing luck. No. He's like, no. hey, I saw this uh, kind of method guy, Nick Cage. He goes crazy. He's just, he just <laughs> acts crazy. So I'll be in your show. I'm going to wear a helmet, and I'm going to wear a onesie, okay? Yeah, we are showing this because we got Boogeyman talking about Power Pack. That's the reason we're mentioning this entire issue. Yep. And to be fair, it is something I've wondered. What happened to Boogeyman? Yeah. Well, he went and tried to take over Luke Cage because that's what you do. Boogeyman jumps into the flames of Inferno in uh, one of the Power Pack issues and disappears. And apparently he's in the sewer system and he sheds his lard body and turns into a shadow lard body. And then he finds like a ring that he goes into down in the he sewer. He goes of the gets, rings into a yeah. wing. Yeah, so he goes into a ring and then I guess is found by this Congressman Creed and yeah. the you know the homeless guy killer and uh, Cage were fighting. Uh, I guess Cage either took the ring as a trophy or Carmody transferred over in this indestructible ring or something. So Luke, yeah, yeah, Luke Cage is wearing the ring. Luke Cage is now possessed, and here we are. Yep, <laughs> it's a weird. I don't. Poll. It, it's really weird, Paul. I don't understand how the creators decided that you know we need a demon. We need a demon to possess Luke Cage. Mm -hmm. We're going to tap into a power pack, a, a human that last fought power pack as a demon. It's a weird pull. I, nobody on this creative team has any real close ties to no, those there's, issues. There's so, no connection. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how exactly this happened. And here's the thing, though. I like the progression of the boogeyman to this point. Yes. That makes sense. It's interesting. His, yeah, Carmody's progression from dirty, fat business practitioner 
to a vigilante, vigilante, after yeah, vigilante mutant kids. Yeah, mutant mutant kidnapper to more powered vigilante mutant kidnapper in, in a flying armor suit to demon lard demon to <laughs> to this to shadow and, lard and, demon yeah, yeah d- d- i mean he he is there to to cause chaos and mischief in this form mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm kind of here for it mm-hmm. he was possessed by a demon inferno weird stuff happened in inferno it's not that big of a stretch for him to be put into this ring and make it all magic and stuff mm-hmm. it's just the luke cage turn is the one that that's weird it's but different. I guess if you are, you know, nigh invulnerable like like Luke Cage, you need to somehow get into him. And I guess the only way into him is through his brain pan. Mm-hmm. Or soul house or whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Bless him for pushing Dakota North still. Yeah. Uh, I, I have read three different Dakota North stories now. One of them is her own story. Second one was with Power Pack. And now this one. I will tell you exactly what is the same in all of them. The name Dakota North. <laughs> I have, and the red hair. And the red hair. I have now read two comics that have Dakota North in them. <laughs> I know I know nothing about Dakota North other than that she used to be a cop, and I picked that up from this one. Uh-huh. She, she likes motorcycles. She likes motorcycles. She likes crashing motorcycles. Yeah. And uh, she's a loose cannon. I like the concept of Dakota North, but I've never seen her be very successfully used. And that's the hard part. I even read the mint. I read her series, and i not a fan. Not okay. a fan. I like the Dakota North that was presented on the ads in the late 80s. Okay. I like that Dakota North. With I don't the even... Sass. I, I like what I see on that ad, okay. but I've never seen it. Okay. I, <laughs> I remember when Dakota North was existing, when she was mm-hmm. coming out. And it was like, okay, Dakota North. Okay. She, apparently, street, noir, bullets, sure. a dame with gams up to there, but she also happens to be the, the jaded detective. Okay, that's... And that would be cool if we had that. Mm-hmm. We never have that. <laughs> yeah. Again, I have no idea. I know... The closest was in the Power Pack issue. Okay. That was close. But, mm, yeah. So, I have no idea. And in this... <laughs> This entire comic is ridiculous because Luke Cage is rampaging through the burrows and fighting police and telling them that, uh, you know, you have roused me to violence. I would not have done this for I simply am a being of immense power and you are beneath me. And his eyes are just searchlights glowing red. And they're just like, looks like Cage has become the menace we always thought he was. Shoot him with bullets. And it's like. Dakota North pops in. She literally does. <laughs> Fast and Furious are actually a triple X, you know, motorcycle hop off of an invisible ramp off of a mo- uh, off a cop car and flies her bike at Cage to, to talk to him. It's like, th- that's not how you really instigate a conversation. Her motorcycle goes flying and crashes into a car. And she's just like, Cage, what's going on? You got to calm down, man. This isn't you. And it's just like, it is well, me yeah. now. Smack. It, it's me because people keep throwing motorcycles at my head. <laughs> But then it's just like she switches from just going, this isn't like you, partner, and to to just going on the news and saying, this guy's a menace and he's such a loner. He was never a hero and he needs to be behind bars and I'm going to be the one to put him there. Yeah, because he attacked me back and that's just not cool. You attacked him first, (laughs) lady, okay? I threw a motorcycle at him and then he was uh, miffy about it. He got all cross. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's Um, on him. This is... This is... An issue of comics that we read for this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is not great. I have read much better Luke Cage comics. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. Yes, I have. I have read more competent comics mm-hmm. uh, with uh, people in them. Anyways, <laughs> let's move on. Let's, let's move, move on. on. And we're going to talk a little bit about Marvel Swimsuit Special number four from 1995 with art by Derek Robertson, Ralph Cabrera, and Paul Mounts and editor Chris Cooper. Back in the 90s, Marvel released a few issues of a cheesecake-like pinup poster book emphasizing the art and specifically the art around female characters. And the quote-unquote story was based on superheroes relaxing at the beach in Madripoor. This is Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue crashing into Marvel Comics. In this issue, the Prince of Madripoor has decided to boost tourism to a South Asian island, an island known for murderers, thieves, assassins, and etc. by inviting all the world's superheroes to frolic on their beaches. And that brings us to the 33rd page of this issue, you know, the Marvel Swimsuit Special Number 4, and that shows the new warriors chilling on the beach. In the background, Hindsight Lad is lounging back catching some sun while a volleyball game is occurring in front of him, because Hindsight Insight Lad has no athletic skill whatsoever. The game itself is being played between Rich Rider and Alex Power, both in Bermuda shorts with chiseled abs, using a Bermuda shorted speedball as the ball in their game of speedball. But now let's move to the foreground, shall we? Wearing bikini-type suits that imply their actual costumes are Mickey Musasha, a.k.a. Turbo, and Angelica Jones, a.k.a. Firestar. And yes, they are both posing. That's the that's the summation of what this comic is. It is just cheese and cake and cheeks and and cleavages just everywhere, all over the place. It's abs, it's abs and fabs, and it's just people lounging in the most uncomfortablest of uh, you know erotic ways. It's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I am gonna say one nice thing. I like the fact that you have Rich Rider and Alex playing volleyball they're using Mm -hmm. speedball which lends an air of ridiculousness yeah it's fun but at the same time though they're actually playing on a beach which bravo yeah that's that's what it is they got the girls up front it it, it is one of the most relaxed ones it is one of the least cheesecake ones they they throw Uh, their cheesecake in in the foreground yeah on the on the front left of the panel is a mickey apparently could convert the turbo armor into a turbo kini because nice. it's got the little well wrist vents well and everything, uh, the little wrist turbos and stuff going on, and you know, Firestar's uh, bikini. It looks, it kind of looks like it would be a costume, in all honesty. <laughs> but it is, other than the girls standing up front, like kind of just like, "Hi, look at us." The the boys in the background. It looks, it, it looks like it's just a fun yeah. beach scene. It looks yeah. like it might be the scene in the teen movie where it's just like, ah, hindsight's and, gonna catch some rays. And and the other nice little part is that mm-hmm. the net is made of spider web, so it's a little homage to Scarlet Spider. You know, okay, ah, nice. You know, there is one in there that was really funny that was of Scarlet Spider because they have little blurbs where just like mm-hmm. the boys are playing a game of speedball while Turbo and Firestar, yeah, whatever, are in bikinis, you know, kind of thing. And they have these little blurbs for each one. And there's one where they're showing it. Look, Ben Riley, I mean, Peter Parker, uh, the Scarlet Spider seems to have fallen asleep on the beach. And it's just, yeah, it's chiseled ab muscle man laying on the sand. And they even they don't know who it is, which I thought was hilarious because <laughs> clones. Oh, confusing oh, clones. Clones. Yo, oh, clones. It's always, it's always yeah, clones. Yeah, I, I was wrong. I, I have the first two Marvel swimsuit issues. I, I never got number three or number four. Hmm. 
Fool yes, me they, once. <laughs> fool me fool twice. Fool me once. Fool me twice. Take me to paradise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this these came out just around the time that I was in my lovely teens. And I like them a lot. And and some of the art is good. Some of the art is There really is good. some really, really good looking art in here. I mean, you can guess what the subject matter is, but some of the art in there is amazing. Some yeah. of it is really, really, really pretty looking art. Some of it's fairly lackluster. There's a Spider-Man one that cracks me up because it's it's Spider-Man and Mary Jane in the jungle. And yeah. it's just like, Mary Jane is in a bikini and Spider-Man is Spider-Man. <laughs> It's like, okay, that's not exploitive at all. <laughs> oh, this is all about the exploitive. This really is. This really is, is this is artists just being as cheesecake as they oh, possibly can. God. And it's it's a thing. This is the dumbest thing I've ever looked at all the pages of without reading almost any of the words. There are words, but you there don't are. need to read the words. Yeah, it's just like, I don't think I need to know this. No. Now, I... Here's the thing, though. I will give it this much credit. The gaze is both sides. I mean, oh, it is. The women, the women are arching their backs like crazy, but the men are wearing tight or low cut or not much at all. Subjective, but they are subjective speedoed. You have a higher percentage of the female to men, but the men are made to look as chiseled and as eye catching as they can be. I guess. They shed water weight immensely for this. There's a Namor one in this where it's just like, he looks like he's been wrung out. He's so 0% body fat. And there's a <laughs> Thor one where it's just like, there's too much Thor. <laughs> Thor is beefy, but this is this is ridiculous even for him. <laughs> this is exactly what you think it is. And mm-hmm. we are talking about it because Alex is there Alex is in, in Bermuda shorts and yeah. he is chiseled. Yeah. He has the body of a 23-year-old man. The New Warriors, he was pure beef. And then I think in the Future Foundation stuff, he was just like slab man. The the kid's been getting into the human growth serum is all I got to say. Something about that. New Warrior one was about the least exploitive one that they had (laughs) while still being exploitive. Let's move on. Let's move on. And let's move on to Daredevil Volume 2, number 7, May 1999. The Devil's Demon. Writer, Kevin Smith. Penciler, Joe Casada. Inker, Jimmy Palmiotti. Letterer, Liz Agrifiotis. Colorist, Richard Eisenhoff. Daredevil is beating up Mysterio to find out where a baby has been hidden. You see, this is all part of a really complicated plan that involved trying to make Daredevil crazy, which seems like Every single plan to take down Daredevil ever? Anyway, after a few pages of punching and exposition, Mysterio convinces DD to do a walk and talk. He then unloads the narrative of his life, explaining that he is the best special effects guy in the world. But nobody loves him. He has been mocked, ridiculed, and even beaten by Power Pack. Power Pack, I tell you. And to make matters worse, all the cool stuff he has been doing with gases and latexes and masks and practical effects you know it's given him brain tumor and lung cancer he wanted to go out with a bang against his greatest foe spider-man whom i'm still waiting for photos of but he could not be sure he would be a fighting a clone which you know fair argument so he chose the big d and then there's more exposition because kevin smith but we now know that what pushed Quentin over the edge was the pack. Daredevil then punches Mysterio enough that his fishbowl breaks, and we see that his cancer-ridden form is truly a cancer-ridden form. Matt tells the freshly beat-down Quentin Beck that he's a loser, 
that has never had an original idea in his life. He then frees the baby and then watches as Mysterio ends his life by stealing a move from Craven the Hunter. Did I mention this was done by Kevin Smith? So there's a lot of words. There's a lot lot of words. There's a lot lot of words. Yeah. There's some gags. And of course, some of the art in the background include Jay and Silent Bob references. I think there's a Jay and Silent Bob destroy Japan or something poster in the background on one of the panels. Because you gotta just gotta gotta be gotta be Kevin Smith. I love Kevin Kevin Smith. Smith. Gotta love Kevin Smith. But you know, yeah. The art in this is really good. I do enjoy the art. Yep. There's a lot of story, a lot of shadows, a lot of smoke and mirrors. It's a daredevil story about somebody making daredevil crazy <laughs> i mean yeah, there's little yeah, things yeah. that are the same in here the, the nice thing is we really see the world through mysterio which is kind of cool i have always liked mysterio in a, a kind of sad form but i always think he's kind of neat and i understand why they call him fishbowl but also i kind of i like his costume kind mm-hmm. of way there's always that kind of classic joke of oh it'd be great if uh, you know mysterio fought daredevil and daredevil's just like yeah, there was just a guy kind of standing over there while there was like dinosaur noises and stuff. It was, <laughs> I walked up and punched him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and that's more or less what's going on here. But, you know, Daredevil, there's this great big plan that Mysterio's got and he's bringing them all in. But he's telling him the story of his life and how, you know, he has done everything. He has been mm-hmm. everywhere and he was going to succeed. But everybody keeps beating him down, mm-hmm. especially Power Pack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as an aside power pack beat him up yeah they they ruined his uh his, 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 his plan his scooby-doo plot his scooby-doo plot to take over abandoned buildings or something yeah, I, to, to dri- it was to drive people out of their apartments yeah buying their apartments out from underneath them cheap because their apartments were haunted it's a thing it's a thing mm-hmm. no i i enjoyed this story i kind of I'd like to go back and read this run of Daredevil. I think it'd be kind of interesting. It, it, like I said, it was done by Kevin Smith. There's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in there, and Kevin Smith does love his his comics. I mean, he, he is a fanboy that, really that can write. Yep. So, yep. bravo for that. Mm-hmm. I remember when this was coming out, the Kevin Smith run, and it was really like, oh my goodness, they're, Kevin Smith is writing comics. Because mm-hmm. I don't think there were a lot of filmmakers that were transferring from the big screen to the smallest of screens, which is panel art. So, yep. yeah. No, so this is, once again, it's a cameo appearance with Power Pack to say, hey, here's somebody else that we beat up and we uh, made look foolish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that, that's, a, that's a bit of the... Uh, of what we're talking about here, too, with a lot of these things. Yeah, very much of the, oh, oh, and Power Pack was there. Or, oh, I got beat by Power Pack. Yeah. Or, Unfortunately, a lot of these are, you know, and Power Pack is the brunt of the joke. But as yeah. we have proven in our show, Power Pack has taken down a number of people. So, mm-hmm. a number of powerful people, too. So Very powerful. It, Spidey called them big gun of the Marvel Universe. Exactly. So, yeah. so you know. They, they got it going on, depending upon who's writing them. Enjoy the fact that you were taken down by the best, Mysterio. Exactly. And and then you had to go back crying to Daredevil. So, Power, yeah. Pack, <laughs> Power Pack took your lunch money. And you went crying to Daredevil. That's what I read from the story. And then, and then the one who could turn into clouds, he gave me a swirly in my own helmet. (laughs) (laughs) It said I had dog breath. (laughs) Let us walk away from this sad loser of a villain and talk about other villains. (laughs) Who are sad losers as well. New Thunderbolts, number six, 2005. In City of Heroes, writer Fabian Nesaza, co-plotter Kurt Busiek, penciler Tom Grummet, inker Gary Erskine, color art Chris Sotomayor, letterer R6 and Comicraft's Albert Deschentz, City of Underpaid Workers, Schmidt, Moore, and Laser, 
City of Light Workloads, Tom Brevert. City of Lap Dances, whoa, Joe Casada. City of Kegs, Dan Buckley. Hydra is attacking New York and the Thunderbolts are trying to save the city. There are also news reports that the New Warriors are there and the Youthful Power Pack are there as well trying to help. That's it? Yeah, that's it. What do you want from me? We said that this was a cameo show. Just be glad they were mentioned. Anyways, Hydra sets off a nuke, Radioactive Man absorbs the fallout, Speed Demon and Blizzard freeze all but the last of the nukes in the city to disarm them, a returned Photon deals the last one, Strucker escapes and Hydra is defeated. The Thunderbolts are praised as heroes, and Power Pack is nowhere to be seen. The end. Ah, yeah, that's... <laughs> That's what you get. You get a, a, rep, a mention. There was a, a a photo still of them with like a blurry CTV camera or something on the news news report. So did you read the Thunderbolt series? I read some of it and I thought it was an interesting idea. Villains that are reformed to be heroes, but actually they're villains. But then some of them are actually be, try and move to becoming heroes. I thought the Beetle arc was interesting from what I recall. I like the fact with the Beetle that he's got a suit of flying power armor and then he becomes the Mach 4 Mm -hmm. character and his armor that he gets is way in excess of anything that he could make. And it's just great, but it gets beat up and he's like, I need to be the one to repair it. And I kind of have it sort of fixed and working. Parts that are breaking are staying broken. And oh, his, his uh, glass visor across his face got broken. And it's going to remain that way forever. <laughs> so <laughs> I've never had a chance to read it. I saw what it was kind of about. And I unfortunately was kind of spoiled a bit for me. It's like, oh, yeah, these are reformed villains. And it's like, oh, that's apparently like one of the big things that happens is that you don't know that going in there. And all of a sudden there's a big turnaround that oh my god these are just a bunch of the supervillains who are trying to act like heroes mm-hmm. and the question is then is this a gag is this a big plot point that they're trying to do or are they really trying to turn themselves around and mm-hmm. yeah I, I kind of missed that piece of it a friend of mine back in the day worked at a comic book shop yeah you go as it mm-hmm. is you go and visit your buddy who's working at a comic shop or working at a coffee stand or something like that and you know he just kind of give you the rundown of what the comics were about and he was always talking about thunderbolts he loved thunderbolts so he loved this run so probably well worth reading yep i might need to go back and check it out they at least didn't diss on power pack they just said hey power pack's out there fighting too because it's that big of a deal yep. what's going on folks yeah, those giant hydra. I don't know if that was tied into a uh, another big every six month event or what, but that was a massive hydra attack on New York, just going crazy and then soundly defeated with punching. Hydra attacks. <laughs> we have to take care of it. Yep, it's true, it, and they do. It happens. It happens. Yep. Let's hit the next one, man. All right. Up next is Spider-Man Unlimited Volume Three, Number Twelve, November two thousand and five. Amends. Writer. Christos Engage, penciler Mike McCone, inker Larry Stucker, letterer David Sharp, colorist James Brown. Speaking of getting a shout out, we have a story that starts with Spider-Man pretending to lose a fight to Stiltman to lure him in, and then actually losing a fight with Stiltman because the big wheel, you you remember the big wheel, right? The big metal wheel with guns on it? Yeah, you remember the big wheel. Anyway, the big wheel gets involved with the fight And he wants to help Spider-Man, but, you know, like every other part of his life, he failed at it. You see, Big Wheel has seen the error of his ways and is working through the 12-step program of Villain-On, a supervillain recovery program. Spidey takes pity on him, and together they stop a bank robbery being committed by some goons in the Shocker, where Big Wheel is 
uh, what's the word, more of a liability than a boon? Spidey does some quick thinking after they realize that Wheel, comma, Big, will never be a real hero. The thinking that he has is that the Big Wheel would be a serious draw on a monster truck rally circuit. And you know what? He's right. Spurred on by his newfound joy and success, Big Wheel visits prisons to promote Villain on. On one of these visits, we get to see the incarcerated Shocker making fun of the equally incarcerated Stiltman for being defeated by Power Pack after he got away from Spidey and the Wheel at the beginning of the issue. Bom, 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 bom. Hey. Bye. <laughs> fun story. It's a fun story. It's short. It's like 13 pages long or something. It's one of one of two or three stories in the book. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of reformed villains or villains going to prison and being like, this kind of sucks. And I wasn't really good at being a villain. <laughs> and I'm really not good at being in prison. And maybe... Maybe I can get out of this circuit. And I love the fact you know, it showed Big Wheel sharing with Spider-Man his life. He's like, okay, so I fell off a pier. Turns out the thing was waterproof. I said, you know what? I need to come clean with people. I talked to my wife. I told her what was going on. She left me. I got arrested. I went to prison. Didn't do good there. Found a sport group. And it was like, okay, I can do this. And it's going with you know some other C-listers like Armadillo and stuff, who's a character that I like. <laughs> and this is step nine, which was make amends. Go and apologize to the people that you've hurt. And he's like, hey, this is me doing step nine. I tried to kill you once. You probably remember. And Spider-Man like, yeah, yeah, vaguely. <laughs> Didn't you fall off a pier? He's like, yes, I did. But that's what turned my life around. So he's, he's trying to help, but he's also just like, oh, I suck. I just, uh. Here's the thing, though. It's like, there are other villains that have costumes, arm, suits of armor, what have you, that mm -hmm. are not as destructive. <laughs> Yeah, this As is a like a big wheel rolling around yeah. New York City. It's like a three or four story wheel. <laughs> Just <laughs> if you are making amends, let's make the first step of this program be: let's take a look at your villain suit. Is the conceit of your villain suit to cause as much mass destructive as possible? Okay, let's shelve that, sell that, <laughs> scrap it for parts, make it an orphanage for children. I don't know. Just something else that doesn't involve you destroying the seat, the streets of New York, especially if you're trying to not be bad. It's so hilarious because uh, he's going to, he's traveling with Spider-Man and it just shows him it's just like the ground's cracking and some cars are getting smushed and there's dirt flying everywhere and it's just like oh, look at the <laughs> sheer amount of property damage you're causing. Oh, hero wheel. Oh, big hero wheel, man. I want to be a good guy. Then ditch the big wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stop. Just stop this. Stop. Just doing evil. <laughs> <laughs> Spider-Man does see that you know, after Big Wheel really did not help with the defeating of Shocker, you know, he saw a bunch of like school-age kids going, oh, again, again, crush more cars. My brother didn't see it. And that's where he's like, hmm. And Big Wheel is a big hit and he's getting cheered on and everything at the Monster Truck Rally circuit. He's just like tears of joy in his eyes. And now he becomes a spokesperson for Villain on. He goes to prisons and he, uh, his story affected a villain so much that that villain then went and followed in his footsteps and tied in with uh, Spider-Man again. And that villain was the Hypno Hustler. And Spider-Man is just like, <sighs> just, okay, everybody gets one. <laughs> Tell him, Peter, everybody gets one. This is a fun story. This is an absolute yeah. fun story. I, I enjoy this. I think this is another little series that'd be interesting to look at. I'd be very interested in seeing some more of writing by Christos Gage. I think the mm -hmm. penciler in this one is also good, too. I think it's a, a 
great work on the on the art. It's mm-hmm. just fun and enjoyable. I like these little. Uh, it, it's not heart crushing. It's not the weight of the world. It's not a six month prestige. Everybody's involved with it. King and invasion, secret pact, whatever. It's just a short little story that comes in, and it's it can kind of make fun of itself, but it also is kind of neat. And there's like some there's some growth in there. There was there was growth for Big Wheel, a character that I know nothing about other than he is a wheel that is big. <laughs> That's super sweet. <laughs> so I liked it. Actually, uh, talking about it, I think we are going to see Christos Gage. We may see him again with Mike McCone. It looks like he did Avengers Academy, which we are talking about covering at some point in time. I don't know if he's still going to be on it by the time that Julie Power gets there, but all right. Mm-hmm. So well, that's cool. So, you know, we might see him again, which I would be more than happy to check out. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's actually got some cool stuff that he's been part of, which I think is pretty sweet that's nice i'm not familiar with any of his work so but speaking of funny stuff let's talk a little bit about gla number two from july 2005 dismembership drive writer dan slot penciler paul pelleter inker rick megara letterer dave lanfear Colorist, Wilfredo Quintana. The hardest part of being a superhero is when a compatriot dies and you need to go to their funeral. The Great Lake Avengers are currently doing this for their fallen partner, Dinosaur. Realizing that their roster is getting stretched pretty thin with very few members to make sure the headquarters is not entered without permission, Flatman and Doorman decide to go on a recruiting mission in the one place where they are guaranteed to find all the heroes that they need, plus more. New York. You know the place, the large fruit, the town that never sleeps, the middle of the galaxy, the place so fair that its name's a pair. New York. And find heroes they do. Heroes that want to have nothing to do with them. In fact, they find so many heroes that want to have nothing to do with them that they tell an aim-defeating Katie Power that if she gets her parents' permission, that she could join their team. Katie also turns them down. Man, it is hard to recruit named heroes when you're in the GLA. Despondent about how much they suck, Flatman and Doorman take time for a pity party in Central Park at night and get mugged. Luckily for them, though, Squirrel Girl shows up and saves them. They offer her a spot on the team, and she accepts! Hooray for them! They then go out a heroing and help Grasshopper stop Batrock and his brigade from stealing a goober. They offer Grasshopper a spot, and he accepts! Hooray the second! Grasshopper is then immediately killed by a throwing knife from one of Batrock's teammates, and the bad guys escape with the goober, which is whatever the opposite of hooray is. On the plus side, though, at least the GLA had a successful membership drive. Hooray! Ah, uh, the... <laughs> Great links. Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> I like how they do that with the little kind of like <clears throat> their shoulder, muttering into their shoulder about what their first part of their name is. It's like, would you like to be an Avenger? <laughs> you could be a Avenger. Join on up. <laughs> I remember finding them in the West Coast Avengers way back when. And Hawkeye was part of the team for a while. He's trying to make them. He was a trainer. I think he was a leader. He was a trainer of them. It was just, it's like, here's the team of the worst characters in a place that nobody cares about. No. <laughs> and I, I, I always, I always liked them. I, I always thought that this was a fun team, a fun idea. And this is Dan Slot being Dan Slot. I mean. <laughs> it is 
classic Dan Slott. Dan Slott likes doing stuff like this. Yeah. The art in this is really good, yes, though. Yes, the art in it is good. The art is primo. Yeah. Uh, Squirrel Girl is Squirrel Girl with Monkey Joe there helping her out. And... It's a good, funny little bit, especially the entire, we, you know, oh my God, you know, we lost a member. We need to get more people on our team. It is the touching funeral scene at the beginning, except they're uh, also like watching, you know, one of their members, Mr. Immortal, apparently have a freak out session and is, you know, yell, angry man yells at clouds when he's really dealing with like the concept of death or something like that, where it's a persona that he can actually see. And then later on, it's just like, what's, what's Mr. I doing? He's illegally uh, downloading music. Yeah. One song. One song over and over. It was the Magnolia arts. soundtrack, yeah, but yeah. It, 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 different, different cover art, but you know, the same song mm-hmm. over and over and over. Uh, the, the, there's a good little joke with, they, they don't see Flatman, and then he turns around because they were looking at him straight nice on. sideways, yeah. <laughs> they put creepy guy dressed all in black goes up and asks Katie Power if she wants to join the team. She's like, I don't think so, mister. <laughs> you know, stranger danger, stranger danger. Yeah, he actually did say, he goes, what if we get your parents' permission? Would you join then? And she's like, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> Katie Power has got more sense than to join the Great Lakes Adventures. Yes. Yeah. I like the big part of it, too, when they're meeting people. They're like, they, we talked to a lot of different heroes, and they all seem to have the same spontaneous response to us, which is that they're too much of a loner to be part of a team and yeah. the, the only way they can be effective is if they are you know myths in the night an urban legend kind of well thing. it starts off with moon Knight like that and then you also have like spider-man and wolverine who like every time wolverine says that i work better alone it's like x-men x-men avengers and another coast avengers uh probably defenders um x-force x-farce x-facts then you have Daredevil, you know, same, you know, I'm, I must work alone. But yeah, they, they go through an entire roster. You got Punisher, Vance Astro, Firestar, Captain Marvel, isn't. Falcon. I, I like Hercules. It's- <laughs> and he's laughing hysterically yeah. at them. Cloak and Dagger. I like Luke Cage's. It's like, sweet Christmas, no. <laughs> and just yelling it. Yeah. <laughs> it's three pages of small panels easy of characters that just say no. They got turned down by Ultraman. Yeah. Ultraman. <laughs> said no <laughs> yeah they got uh, turned down by what super adaptoid or amazing android or uh... <laughs> oh they got turned down by a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people that was fun and and we actually have a power pack sighting we have mm-hmm. katie power that's actually in there it's a good katie power too she's on uh in an alley standing on a bunch of defeated aim soldiers <laughs> it was great i'm like heck yeah go katie this was a fun one as well. Yeah, we've, we've been talking through most of these as we've been going through them. And just some of these are good. Some of them not good. If we were to just say what our favorite and our worst story was that we looked at, hmm. we can agree on Luke Cage as the worst. Uh, it had a lot of words. It had a lot. The, it had the most direct contact with Power Pack because it had Carmody throughout all of it. Yeah, but it wasn't good. No, it was not good at all. It was pretty terrible. I would rather look at the swimsuit again myself. Of course you would rather look at the swimsuit. <laughs> the swimsuit actually had some good art in it. Yeah, the swimsuit did have and good art. And it actually had a competent storyline. Yeah. And we're talking a swimsuit issue. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> what do you think the best one was? A best one? Oh, boy. I almost want to go with... Jelly was yeah. fun, but I really did enjoy that that Spider-Man. Really? Okay, because I was thinking the Daredevil one's pretty good, too. The Spider-Man the Daredevil was pretty one great. one is good. 
it's just the Daredevil one, there's a lot. And also, we were dropped right in the middle of a long story arc. So it's... Or dropped in the end of a long story arc. You have to do a lot of catch-up. Mm-hmm. The GLA one... It's good. We're in the middle of a storyline, yeah. but we can easily catch up about what's happening here, and we can see what's going on. Yeah, they summed up really well with that. I thought the art in the GLA one was, honestly, I think the best. Yeah, yeah, I could probably go with that. The swimsuit special did have some amazing art. There were bits of art yeah. in there that I'm like, oh yeah, that blows it out of the water. But the, the GLA had just consistently really nice looking art in there without the appeal kind of thing. It was just like good art. Yeah. And I enjoyed the story of it. It was it was fairly self-deprecating and... Somewhere between the Spider-Man and the GLA one, okay. I think would probably be the best. Yep, I would think so too. Yeah, that Cage yeah. one is not super great. Not not good. Not good at no. all. Not good at all. No. Um, uh, yeah, it's... I mean, we, we aren't going to do too much on, on, on our normal power thoughts here because this is just, like I said, this is a throw it against the wall. We're seeing what sticks kind of a thing to it. Just having fun talking about some of these little mentions, these little talks about Power Pack or these little appearances. I promise you next time we're going to get back with the Fantastic Four issue talking about a birthday party. Rick from the future again. I should have been saying runaways. Man, it's like I hadn't planned out what we were going to do the next week prior to recording this. <sighs> so I just thought it would be kind of fun to talk about some of these little mentions. It was kind you of want to say anything else about these, Jeff? Again, I like when there's that cross-pollination where there's that mention of characters to kind of keep it, you know, it's like it's all in the same world. It's not just like, well, there's the Marvel universe and that also Moon Knight is in a little pocket dimension kind of thing. I like it when it's all, when you kind of tie together and maybe... Yeah, maybe Moon Knight isn't dealing with Power Pack, but they are in the same realm. They're in the same area. And so there is going to be that little cross-pollination, even if it's just like through Doorman. So, you know, I don't know. I, I kind of like this. I, I thought it was interesting just to see where Power Pack got referenced and how they got referenced and how they, how other writers treated them. Yeah, in passing, just as if people thought they were a joke or if people thought it was just insulting them. Uh, even the one with Stiltman and Scorcher, where Stiltman's like, I can't believe the big wheel beat you, you know, Scorcher, or, or Shocker. And Shocker's like, well, you're the one who got beat by Power Pack. He's like, hey, that was four to one. <laughs> I like the fact it was used as an insult, but also it was like the defense of that. I was like, that's four to one, man. <laughs> There's four of them, four power people versus me. Yeah, of course I was going to lose. You know, so I, I, I like seeing how different writers, you can kind of tell how they view the pack. Yeah. And I like that. Let's go ahead and do some thoughts on this beer that we're drinking, if you don't mind. Not at all. I keep pouring over to it. I keep on, I've been sipping it down pretty hard. I've, uh, this I think is a pint can. Yep. You know, I filled my glass. I drank it down real fast. I filled it up, you know, Topped it back up with the pint, and I'm down to the last couple of inches of beer. I'm enjoying this. I am too. Especially for a hoppy yeah. pale ale. It's that peach and passion fruit really brings it to something really nice. And it is it is hoppy, but it's not crazy hoppy, and it's not giving me that chewing on nails. It's not giving me that pine needle taste. It's not doing any of that. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's nice. It's just the pale aleness of it is nicely subdued and the fruit forefront of it is really pleasant and not cloyingly sweet it's just like mm -hmm. mm, that's that's a nice flavor it's just i'm enjoying this quite a little bit this is a, a good beer i'm enjoying this a lot this is interesting i like it i think this is a fun beer i i would have it again i think that this is this is a lot oh, yeah. of fun liquid gravity pale from the crypt i'm gonna give this a 4.5 i'm gonna give this a 4.5 wow i'm going for i'm going for a strong four 
It is. I could see why going four or five, but this is a really good four for me. This is a. I'm enjoying this. I could pour these down for the next couple hours. I, I may have given it that extra point just because of the cover can of the cover oh, of the can. Oh yeah. But I, I, I got to give it something because it's pretty darn cool. <laughs> it is. Uh, that is. Yeah. Uh, go to go to our website. You'll get to see a picture of the can. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I will get a picture of the can. It's what's neat on this too is that it's basically featuring the people that made the beer, and it's like the brewmeister is kind of that John Carpenter thing, kind of face melting together of two people, <laughs> and the hop witch is a uh, you know uglified version with like a a big long tongue and teeth missing from a green haired lady, and the malt keeper is. Uh, Kind of like, a, oh, it's the pretty lady with the zombie half of her face <laughs> hidden in the back of the portrait kind of deal. It's just, it's, they knew what they were doing with that and they did a great job. <laughs> they may have known what they were doing with that. We didn't know what we were doing with this episode. So if this seems weird, I apologize. This was seat of our pants kind of a thing just for fun. We are going to get back to our normal format next episode, I guess. Maybe something like that. We went, we went through the issues. We, we, we wrote out a script. We did some stuff. <laughs> Let's go ahead and do a shout out time because we want to thank those listeners that really stick with us as we do weird things. And this is for episode 95, where we talked about Power Pack Volume 2, number two, Snark Attack. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Clinton Robinson and his podcast, Fan Film Fridays and Coffee and Comics. Jeremy Daw. Mal. Matthew Birdsey. Nicholas Prom and his podcast, Captain Freakout's Psychedelic Radio Show. Tim Price and his podcast, The Outcasters. Waffles from Waffles and Mario talk about things. And we also like to thank all the people that give us money to, you know, pay for our voices out there in the world. And also to listen to the, some of the stuff we do for our Patreon episodes. They're a lot of fun. Those are the all-ages books that we cover, and we you should check them out. Dollar a month, people. Come on over. Be like the adorably and astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Exciting, energetic, and entertaining Edward Verrochi. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous, Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing, Matthew Laserwitz. Rudely rhyming and running, Rustin Fritcher. Steely, salty, and steamy, Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly, Shag Matthews. Strange and stirringly steady, Stephen Gray. Tyrannically terrifying and tame, Tim Price. Technically terrific and triumphant, Todd Enoch. Way, way, wordy, and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky wind. Be sure to check out the other shows that we are on. Our junior agent submissions on the MI6 Rogue Agent episodes of Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast. And, ha ha ha, monthly Monday movie muck about my movie review show on the Longbox Crusade Podcast Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Merck Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of a couple of old issues of Marvel Swimsuit in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Merck Present, our Facebook page is Jeff and Merck Present, our email address, Jeff and Merck Present, all one word at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Merck Present, 
Also, we've got a YouTube channel at Jeff and Rick Present. And if you'd like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can, tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We We love love you. Until next time, costumes Costumes off. off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Some Amount of Evil. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Compitech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. So we good with that? Sure thing. Okay, then let's... How's how's podcasting work? There it is. I don't know. Click, click, boom. And Rick is showing me his covers of his comics that he has of the other swimsuit issues. It's very, it's very, 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 very quaint.